2: Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Welcome, everybody. Spit, the Spit Podcast. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales with you here on this Wednesday, July 22nd, I believe. And uh, good day to you, David Scales.
1: Afternoon sesh. Yeah, usually, afternoon We usually do the morning, the dawn patrol at 8 a.m. I mean, that's not dawn patrol, but normally 8 a.m. We're doing afternoon sesh today.
2: Yeah, good afternoon. It feels odd, and we have both probably worked really hard today, and we're a bit tired. At least I am. I'm speaking for you, though.
1: I just got home. Uh, I was rushing to get home, and look what was on my doorstep. Wow. How's that image? Have you seen that cover shot yet? No, it's pretty cool. Um, Mikey Feb's on the cover of the Surfer's Journal, but the way way that it's cropped, I mean, it's a rad shot, but the way that... um, the image is composed. A little bit of foreground wave is creeping up into the photographer's lens of the water housing. So, it actually blocks out Mikey's board and feet. You can just kind of see him from the shins up as he's doing a frontside carve. Arms kind of flared out, six-pack
2: flexing. And it's a rad shot. It's a water
1: shot, obviously, but it's freaking, it's cool. I love it. Yeah.
2: No, I would I would agree with everything you said. There's nothing that's not fantastic about that. Cover. I think they've
1: they've been nailing the cover shots for the last
2: year, year or so. Yeah. Kudos to who's the photo editor there these days?
1: You know, I just heard today Sean Parkin is no longer the photo editor there. So I'm looking it up right now. Um it says his name still, but I so I think that's breaking news that Sean's no longer there because his name is still in this masthead. But yeah. um but yeah, hard hard copy of an old school surf
2: mag right here. Yeah, what's it like? I, I forget what that's like. Isn't it is joy? Did you have joy fill your heart when you came home and saw Surf Magazine?
1: I did, I mean, honestly, I look forward to it and I will do a once through uh, tonight on the sofa, just kind of a thumbing through, and then go back over the course of the weekend and read whatever it is that stood out to me from the once over. And sometimes, to be honest, I don't read anything because nothing jumps out at me. And other times, I read it cover to cover. So it's kind of different every month. Yeah. Uh, look at this one too, out of the out of the archives.
2: Yeah, buddy. How's that? Fabulous French surf. Yeah, there's a gorgeous woman with bodacious tatas. <laughs>
1: half of the front, half of the cover shot of this. Um, John Severson publication, the International Surfer, ma- Surfing Magazine, when it was 75 cents. But yeah, half of the cover shot is a female, an unnamed female uh, posing yeah, in a that's, that's
2: interesting. You know, there was always much debate about what's going to go on the cover each and every month when I was at Surfer Magazine. And the idea of splitting the cover in half and having one image and then a totally different image. Wouldn't fly. That was not going to fly. Um, it was a
1: bad decision, for sure.
2: There was always just turmoil between the photo editor, the publisher, the the other editors. And uh, anytime I spoke up, they're just like, "Get out! Get out so of the office!"
1: <laughs> check this out. I I just opened this up. This image or this issue is uh, volume seven, number one from 1966. There's a fiction piece in here called "Big Day at Bad Wasser" written by Ronald Colby. Do you think Ronald Colby has any affiliation with Rob Colby?
2: I mean, maybe. I kind of semi-doubt it, but it wouldn't surprise me. It'd be cool if it did.
1: Colby's not that common of a name.
2: I've met his father. Um, Was his name?
1: Was his name I, Ron- Ronald? I don't know. How's this oh, that's ad? An,
2: that's an interesting ad. Who's that for?
1: <laughs> um, you read it. I can't.
2: <laughs> Sandcomer. I guess it's uh, board shorts?
1: I guess so. Hey, for anybody who's like listening to the audio, wondering what the heck we're looking at and talking, go to YouTube right now and you can see these amazing surf magazines on our YouTube channel. Um yeah at surf splendor on youtube we have a whole channel dedicated and we're filming our episodes now scott and i are remote we last filmed last week at serving heritage and culture center but despite us being remote we're still filming this on zoom so come check us out we'll embed all the imagery of everything that we discuss surf film footage instagram footage
2: all that stuff yeah good stuff well hey dude we have hard yards
1: yeah we um have a lot to discuss in a short period of time today, because given that it's the afternoon, we have social obligations in about an hour, but I have so much feedback about Surf Etiquette 101. Uh, Kelly, I dropped the news right as we were closing last week that somebody texted from the airport saying Kelly is en route to Waco. We've now seen all of that footage. It's pretty freaking rad. Um, And then of course the WSL dropped a bunch of big news on Friday after we last recorded. So where should we begin?
2: Well, we could begin with Derek Ho passing away, which is
1: arguably the biggest news.
2: Yeah, I would suggest it's the biggest news. Um, well, I don't know, arguably the biggest news, but uh, Derek Ho died of a massive heart attack. He was 55 years old. And um, I was just watching, in fact, I'll just let it be known that my must see moment comes from the Encyclopedia of Surfing, which put together a three minute clip of Derek to um, a Steely Dan mashup. I don't know if you saw this. Did you happen to catch this? It's really, really good. Yeah. yeah go to Encyclopedia of Surfing and it's also on Nobody Surf TV. They grabbed the clip, but Matt Warshaw did a great job of putting together this footage of Derek Ho, just absolutely, as we know, just absolutely um, sort of dancing with Pipeline, very much um, sort of from the same, um, I don't want to say lineage, but surfs in the same manner as Jerry Lopez. He does the dance. He doesn't overpower it. He absolutely sort of, um, you know, plays with it a little bit and and gets incredible barrels. But what's kind of fascinating is the footage of him in the Gotcha Pro at Sandy Beach, and um, there's some great. So there's some great backside surfing, and there's a moment, David, at two minutes and fourteen seconds, which I just think is incredible, and it's Sunset Beach and it's Derek Ho, he's riding this wave, it's just your classic sunset, sort of a lot of water moving at him, a lot of things coming around, a lot of sections, a lot of turmoil, a lot of chaos Sunset beach, and he's handling it, maneuvering around, and at two minutes and 14 seconds into this clip, he just does the most stylish under-the-lip snap with just so much panache, and so much just raw style, if there is such a thing as raw style, but it it's really really great and i'll tell you what it also does is it makes me realize that sunset beach has to be on the world tour yeah anyway
1: that's great uh i i did not see that clip and of course derek is my um duke of the week and if you will bear with me i'll read from matt warshaw's eos entry for derek that was written uh, long before uh all of this news transpired but Said stylish Hawaiian goofy foot pro from the North Shore of Oahu, 1993 world champ, two time winner of the Pipe Masters, and four time winner of the Triple Crown. Ho was born in 1964 in Kailua, the son of a former beach boy and army enlisted man, and the second cousin to popular Honolulu nightclub entertainer Don Ho. He began riding waves at the age of three, followed in the footsteps of his surf obsessed older brother, Michael, who went on to become one of the world's best known and most durable pros. Derek was a talented but indifferent young surfer, became a small-time criminal during his teenage years, and was arrested several times. At the age of 18, he spent 10 days in prison, after which he dedicated his life, uh, I'm sorry, his career to surfing. The following year, he placed third in the 1983 Pipe Masters and finished the pro season ranked 30th. For the next six years, Ho climbed steadily up the ratings All the way to runner up in 1989. In 1990, he fell to sixth. However, in 1992, he dropped all the way to 30th. His career at that point was already remarkable. He'd won the 1984 Duke Konamoku Classic. His brother, uh, Michael, finished second, won the Pipe Masters in 1986, and finished second in 91. And then he won the Triple Crown in 84, 86, 88. In 85, Derek and Michael became the first siblings to both place at the Um, in the year-end pro tour top 16. But following his 1992 season, it seemed obvious that Ho's career had peaked. He's an artist who appears loath to butcher his style for a few decimal points more on the judges' cards. Surf journalist Derek Hine once said of Ho, finishing off by predicting the handsome 28-year-old Hawaiian had, quote, no chance at a world title. Kelly Slater from Florida had just won his first of what was assumed to be a long string of championships. Ho was ranked fifth after nine events in 93, with just the Pipe Masters remaining. The final day of the contest was held in excellent six to eight foot surf, And as the four contenders ahead of him were all eliminated after the quarterfinals, Ho smoothly won the contest and the championship along with his fourth title, uh, Triple Crown title. He was the first male Hawaiian to win the pro tour. And at 29, he was the eldest men's tour pro winning up to that point. The 1993 uh, Masters was his only win of the season and the last pro tour win of his career. He dropped to 24th in the ratings the following year. And in an early 97, his world circuit career was ended with a knee injury. The smallest male pro, uh, I'm sorry, world champ, at five foot four, one 125 pounds, Ho was quickly, quick-footed with a sharp, angular, slightly formulated attack. Tube riding was his strength, and in hollow waves, especially a pipeline, he rode with sublime precision and elegance. Two-time world champ Tom Carroll was Ho's equal at pipe, but the Australian's approach was rougher and more powerfully driven, whereas Ho's time, and again, where Ho time and again drew uh, perfect lines through the deepest part of the wave. Updated the approach um, invented in the 70s by ace Jerry Lopez. Ho was an intense, withdrawn, sometimes prickly surf world figure. He was quietly and justifiably critical of the surf press in 1994, as magazine reporters all but ignored and defended the defending world champion and instead focused on Kelly Slater. Ho dryly mentioned to Australia's surfing life magazine that quote, put it this way, I haven't been subjected to the overexposure a world champ normally gets, end quote. All right. So there is Michael Ho uh, died at 55 of heart attack.
2: I'm sorry, Derek, Derek, thank
1: you. Sorry, Derek Ho. Of heart attack at age 55.
2: Matt Warshaw's uh, piece is great. You know, obviously it gives you a lot to chew on. Um, One of the things about Derrick, I think perhaps for me anyway, the, the most powerful, I guess, act, if you will, considering that careers and pro surfers have maybe one act or two act or three acts. Derek Ho after, like, let's say, um, say I don't even know, like 98, 99, 2000, there was some run in there where he kind of fell in with the wrong crowd and started to kind of make some bad life choices and, and went down sort of a dark um, place, you know, um, and, you know, many of us have been there. And so for him to come out of that, it wasn't widely reported in the surf press, like, like you just mentioned in Matt's piece, um, you know, D'Arco didn't get a lot of press. Right. But the fact that he, um, like I say, quote unquote, made some bad life choices and then found his way out of that and, and sort of reestablished himself as the great surfer that he is out at pipe and and other locations and sort of reemerged in, at least in the scene on the North shore as a healthy and happy uh, surfer. Is pretty powerful and again it's not um you know something that you're going to read about but i think that might be the greatest um achievement of Derek ho's short life was that he was able to kind of wrestle away from the demons and find himself again
1: redemption story
2: yeah, yeah. wonderful yeah
1: awesome well that's a good way um to uh, commemorate derek's life and open the show did you want to get to surf etiquette? I think this might be, I think this is an important segment that we're going to need to revisit regularly and update.
2: I totally agree. I almost feel like we have too much stuff to talk about with regard to that. I'm sure you saw fat hockey's email.
1: Let's get to fat hockey in a second. Fat hockey always delivers bangers. He does. Um, We were trying to figure out a name for this segment. Surf Etiquette One Hundred and One is not the name, but that's kind of a, a description of what it should be. How do you feel about Kook College?
2: <laughs> I'm okay with Kook College. I think Kook College is kind of it's kind of endearing. I, I, I'm okay with Kook College. In fact, I like Kook College. Let's call it Kook College for, from this point forward, henceforth, it shall be known as.
1: This was a listener um, suggestion. He gave me a few. And gosh, he deserves credit. I'll figure out who it was and give him credit next show. But the idea being, of course, Scott was noticing that um, there's not a lot of etiquette in the lineup any longer. And as we have wave pools start to churn out more and more vowels, we're going to need a coop college. We're going to need people to run through this um, etiquette course before they paddle out in the lineup. So firstly, a number of people sent me photographs of signs at their local beaches that give you a certain code of ethics, these signs are inadequate. So here's one from, I mean, all the way from Western Oz to Oregon, there are these signs at the beach, surf etiquette and safety signs that explain right of way, um, paddling out, remember to communicate. Here's a little bit of information about danger. And I'll post these signs, of course, on YouTube and um, on Instagram even, and they're illustrations that show arrows with what you should and shouldn't do. Okay, that's fine, I'm glad that these signs exist, but this is not what Cook College is. Kook College is a list of rules that we're gonna bequeath upon you. Scott, we're gonna go through these one by one, you either thumbs up them or thumbs down them. How do you feel about just this general idea, do no harm? I this love. Is-
2: this is our thumbs up.
1: This is our Hippocratic oath of surfing. Everything rolls through do no harm.
2: I think that's a great idea. I think that's a way to live life. Agreed. I do no harm.
1: This this next batch of a couple came from a buddy in Kauai. He said A or number 1 buy local. Number 2 respect locals. Number 3 no leash equals priority. And number 4 hold on to your board.
2: Well, okay, there's a lot to chew on there. Um, buy local, I guess he means buy local surfboards and buy locals gear and buy from the local surf shop. I think actually
1: I added that one, but yes, that is what I meant by it. Um, respect locals.
2: Respect locals. Well, I think we should respect everybody. Um, but I so. think what he
1: means is, I, yes, but I think what he means is if you're showing up at a spot that you're not a local at, you kind of defer to the locals.
2: Yeah, there's a a certain art to, all of this is so nuanced, David, as you know. I mean, each and every one of these rules, part of, every time I hear one, I wanna throw up a little bit and then I realize, oh yeah, we decided to do this, to talk about this. Like just the idea of those signs, like I've seen the one at Rincon, I've seen the one at Steamer Lane, I've seen them, they're around, they're everywhere. I kinda, I don't know why that, sort of the, the rebel in me kinda just, I roll my eyes and I kind of just want to go, whatever, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so conflicted here with this, but let's get back to um, respect the locals. I think we should respect everybody. And then the nuance in respecting the locals is um, so to me, there's a spot here in San Diego. That's, 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 I'm not going to name it out of respect for it and the locals. So that's one of the nuances, right? Like, I'll name Swami's who gives a shit. Everybody serves Swami's and it's ridiculous. Like, but this one spot, I'm not going to name because I respect the locals and I respect the spot and I respect what it stands for. And at this spot, when I paddle out there, I don't go straight out to the peak, you know, and sit and like, kind of like puff my chest up. I will inch my way out. Hopefully I will catch two or three waves on the inside just to kind of get my feet going, get my mojo in mojo mojo. And, And get a couple rides so that when it is my turn, I'm not going to blow it. Yeah. So that's one of the nuances of respect the locals and respect the local spot. When you're paddling out and you get an opportunity to whip it on a one-footer, whip it on the one-footer and go. And maybe do that two or three times before you're even halfway out or three-quarters of the way out. Once you do get sort of to the main pecking zone, if this is a, a legitimate surf spot and you're not from there, stop, sit up on your board and just take notice. And really what you're trying to do is let other, the locals around you know that you're not going to be the guy that paddles straight out, puffs his chest and goes, when's my wave?" you know, figuratively. And so I'll leave it with that and let you chew on that.
1: So um, this Kook College is going to have the rules in bold and then small text next to it will be all of the
2: nuance of the rule. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. So, right. I didn't know we had, okay. It sounds like you're writing a textbook for God's sake. I think we are. Okay. This is wow. our gift. This is our
1: legacy, Scott. This podcast people won't even remember, but they will remember kook college.
2: Well, the nuance it's, it's all, you know, the, what, what's the phrase we're going to use here? I mean, the magic is in the nuance, I guess.
1: Yeah. I, but I
2: love the idea of generalities too, cause that makes it more fun right i i I, like i said i'm conflicted you know like there's just so much i mean some of the things i just said at a certain at certain spots i won't do those things you know of course it's just you know it's it's almost like some spots are too far gone and there's just there's no way you can kind of reel it all in yep yep
1: but we're going to do our best we are going to do our best to create a definitive handbook for everybody that applies to everybody everywhere in the world. Uh, no leash
2: from quiet. Yeah. The no leash thing. Repeat that one.
1: No leash equals priority.
2: Absolutely agree with that. You do. I actually, I actually wrote for surfer magazine. I wrote a whole piece on not wearing a leash and I've been a huge fan of not wearing a leash as you know, David for a long, long time. Um, that being said, I get it. people need to wear leashes, safety, beginners, blah blah blah. Um, so I, I so, get so again, I, I'm conflicted. I, I'm conflicted, you know I know the the problem
1: with this rule is that um, you and I understand exactly why he is saying this is because the better if you're a better you know, if you're Joel Tudor, like and you're you're not wearing a leash and you happen to lose your board, you have to swim in to get it, and all of that work. Means that you deserve to kind of have your priority in the pecking order. Um, but the problem is, we're creating a list for Kook College. So it's going to be kooks that are reading this and applying these rules. And the kook is going to go, oh, well, that means I don't have to wear a leash. And they're going to go out and kook it in front of everybody, lose their board, and create a lot of that.
2: I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm kind because of. Because then they're going to have to
1: swim and they get out of the lineup, yeah. lineup for a bit.
2: Yeah, a couple things here. Guys that don't wear leashes are really good surfers, generally, and they don't lose their board. Very rarely. Yep. Now, they're not, you know, punting airs on the last section at lowers. I guess even if you're doing that, you're not really losing your board. You're right there anyway. But, um, So, the idea that a guy without a leash gets priority, the other side of that is guys that don't wear leashes Get their own, get plenty of waves. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like totally. It's not like they need to throw their ankles in the air and go. Look, I don't have a leash on. Plus, the other side of that is nobody's going to know if you don't have a leash. Like it's not something you generally kind of notice. You know, like the second thing you notice, you know, besides their wetsuit and their board and their hairdo. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you're not noticing if a guy's not wearing a leash. So, do they get priority? No. I mean, again, I think guys that don't wear leashes get get their waves. They're usually good surfers my thing about the no leash thing is what you spoke to earlier, which is guys that don't, if you don't wear a leash and you fall, you've created some space and a lineup for other people to catch waves. Cause you now have to swim in. Yeah. And it makes you a better surfer. It and does. of course we're going to get the emails. What about the big log hipster guy and his logs rolling towards me and it's going to hurt me and it's going to hurt my kid. And, and my, my answer to that is, surfing is dangerous go do something else you know like i don't know yeah. take up squirt guns or you know, <laughs> bowling or you know squirt guns is that a sport no but it's, it seems non-dangerous i'm trying to think of benign activities that they could take up because this, surfing's surfing is dangerous i mean i you and me i we've had broken arms dislocated shoulders you know concussions stepped on urchins blah 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 you name it hit rocks it's part of the deal and dealing with a loss, a loose surfboard is part of the deal. And you know what? It might come and get me. It might come and get you, you know, tomorrow we might get hit by a board, but I'm just the, the upside to not wearing a leash is way better than the downside to, Oh, whoops, I got hit by a board. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, do you want to read fat Aki's email or should I go ahead? So, Fat Aki, long-time listener, contributor to he said, "Number rule number one, be stoked. If you're not going out there to have fun, particularly as a beginner, go do something else, MMA, bike riding, rock climbing, whatever. This needs to be fun. And guess what? When I see stoked beginners, I am way more likely to be helpful and supportive. Scott, how do you feel about rule, be stoked?
2: Uh, I'm sort of on the fence about this one. I like the general concept, but many times I go surfing to kind of get stoked. Like maybe I've had a bad day. I want to go rinse off the stress. I'm not necessarily in a great mood, maybe, you know, like the idea that I have to be stoked is sort of, that's just never going to happen. It's not. okay.
1: I agree with you. We like the philosophy of this, but this is not going to be mandated as a rule in Coop College.
2: Yeah. I think what I, and so this one, be stoked. When I read it, I thought about it. I like the idea of, um, of understand that when you're going in the ocean, you're going to feel stoked when you get out. Right. So however we phrase that, but understand that you're not going out there to, to get a photograph of you doing an aerial. You're not going out there. My feeling is, Guaranteed. No matter who you are, where you are, when you are, when you surf, and when you come in after, when you come in after surfing, you feel better. Everybody I know feels better. I paddled out the other day in the most hideous, cold, crappy surf. Guy like Michael and Milton Willis were like, "Just go out, just go out." It was crappy south wind, crappy. They're like, "Just go out. You're gonna feel better." And I'm like, "You know what? I'm just gonna go out." I I I paddled out. I I barely caught two waves, it was horrible. It was like the worst session of my life as far as the quality of the surf. But sure enough, I came in and I felt better. And I think that's rule number one, that understand that when you come out of this session, you're gonna feel better. And that's gonna, by the way, that's gonna transcend and be passed along to everyone you run into for the rest of that day.
1: So this is all great philosophy. Is this a rule in Cook College?
2: No, it's not. It's, it's not. not. This is a
1: different book. We, we need to write a secondary book. Right. Okay. And philosophy. Yeah. We can title that, uh, that portion of the book, Garen's Ball <laughs> <laughs>
2: Absolutely, Absolutely. i If we don't, right. it will be a Travis Shamacher. <laughs> All right.
1: Fat Aki rule number two, be respectful. Again, this is going to fall under the philosophy category, but I'll read it anyways. Be respectful of the surfers around you, of the ocean, of your own limits. Recognize that there are always a pe- there is always a pecking order and you are at the bottom of it. If by chance you make another surfer angry, even if you do not know why, apologize and let them know you are a beginner.
2: I like this rule. I kind of do think- too. I think if this isn't for kooks, if this is kook college and we're teaching the vowels, the vulnerable adult learners and the kids, and I think be respectful and apologize is a good rule. All right.
1: It's getting added. Congrats, fat Aki, One for two. <laughs> um, number three, if you cannot swim it, you cannot surf it. Uh, and he said, you're spot on with this one, Scott Bass. If you cannot swim out, um, and paddle, do not paddle out. I'm sorry, if you cannot swim out and back, then you do not paddle out.
2: This is an absolute rule in Cook College. This is a guaranteed. Fat hockey.
1: I'm, I'm making uh, notes along the way. That's, fat hockey, that's, that's, that's my rule. Fat
2: hockey, that's my rule, bro. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he
1: said you're spot on with that one. Okay, number four go down the beach. Uh, you will know when you are ready to surf around others. And guess what? It is not now. Garen's Ball Barons. <laughs> <laughs> if, there, if there is any question as to if you are already in this, I'm sorry. If there is any question as to if you are ready to surf in a pack, then follow this rule.
2: Yeah, go down the beach. This is a great rule for cook College.
1: Okay. The answer is yes on that. Fat hockey rule number five, do not ditch your board. Hold on to it for dear life at all times. Even if this means you get worked, you're responsible for not hurting others with a ditched board. And by the way, my buddy in uh, Kauai also said that hold on to your board. So I think that's definitely getting added.
2: Absolutely agree with this. If if there's, I, I rarely talk to guys about rules and trying to like, set him straight with etiquette because I just, I'm over it. But this is the one thing that I will paddle up to a guy. And, and generally, here's my, here's, I'll just give you kind of my, how it works. If there's some guy and he's bailing his board, I will paddle up to him and I will sit up on my board. And the very first thing I say to him is "Look, I'm quite confident that you could kick the living shit out of me. I'm not here to fight. I'm here to tell you that if you can't hold on to your board, you have to go in. It's that simple. Hold on to your fucking board or go in. Again, I'm not doubting. This isn't – I'm not here. I'm not paddling up to you to get in your face. I'm telling you, you could probably beat the shit out of me. I'm a lover, not a fighter. But if you can't hold on to your board, this is etiquette 101. This should be the number one rule. If you can't hold on to your board, go in. You're not ready for this. Go go, lift weights. Do something. Learn how to turtle or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> how is that how is that conversation generally gone when you deliver it? Good. It goes good because you want to de- you you want to de-escalate. You want to get take the power out of it. I'm not there to try to throw my ego around, but if your board's about to bash me in the head, which is funny because I was just saying, remember, I was saying, don't wear a leash, who cares if you get bashed in the head? Again, I'm so conflicted about rules and surfing. The general rule and the number one rule in surfing should be, there should be no rules. No, I
1: disagree. And by the way, those two things, don't wear a leash or if you don't wear a leash, you have priority and don't bury your board are very, very different things because the person who's surfing well enough to not wear a leash is trying not to lose their board. The person ditching their board is intentionally trying to lose their board. Those are exactly opposite. So, you know what's hilarious, by the way, and I never, never... Brought this up publicly because I didn't want to shame, but here I go. Um, Eric Logan posted the CEO of the WSL posted a video of himself. Might have been photo. I don't remember if it was a photo or a video, but it was an image of himself ditching his board in Manhattan Peach Beer on a set wave on a sizable day. It wasn't like huge, but it was, you know, a head high wave. Him and Jesse Miley Dyer paddling out next to each other on North Side and a set wave breaks in front of them, and they both ditch their boards. And he posted it with like, ha ha, Jesse and I copped one on the head today. I had no less than a dozen people DM that to me and go, are you kidding me? The CEO of the WSL is bragging about ditching his board on a set wave. He doesn't even know that he should be embarrassed that he couldn't duck dive his board, you know? And what was funny about it is he posted that. So then Jesse reposted it and then he reposted Jesse's reposting. So whereas the story only lives for 24 hours on Instagram, that one had a 36 hour life cycle because of the reposting. And again, like I said, no less than a dozen people uh, sent that one to me just to point fun. But we can send this Koop College book over to Elo. Be like, Elo, Scott's going to come up to you, sit up on his board and tell you not to throw hands, but to learn how to duck duck.
2: <laughs> anyway, I'm with Fat Aki. This should be a rule in the Kook College. Cooke, Kuk- is it cook College? Yeah,
1: Cook college. college. Rule number six from Fat Aki, always look back. No snaking ever. As a beginner, you do not snake. No retribution snakes, no gambling that the guy won't make the section, nothing. This shouldn't be an issue at all because you have already listened to our previous rule, which is go down the beach where you were surfing alone. And even alone, you should be looking back and making sure nobody is behind you.
2: This is a rule. This is a great rule for, for kooks, for beginners. This is a, a rule that all vows should listen to and uh, adhere to.
1: Dude, I've been surfing a long time. I still accidentally snake people because I don't look back. I look before the waves coming. I know what my sort the problem is I'm relying too heavily on knowing my surroundings. So I think I know where everybody is and when a wave comes, I have already um, assessed those things. But when I paddle, occasionally I don't look back because I think I put too much value in knowing my surroundings and occasionally I have burned guys.
2: Well, see, that's where I'm confused a little bit about Coo College because these rules are for beginners, right? because yeah, but I should still be looking back. Yeah. But this rule in particular, like I wouldn't say this rule applies to you and I, okay. No snaking ever. I can think of a bunch of reasons why I would snake somebody. Totally.
1: Totally. And even is
2: they, they bailed their board in front of me. I'm going to burn that fucking guy. For sure. That's really bad. Actually. I'm not, I don't know. I, I, the thing about rules is they bring out the worst in me kind of like, you know, like, this idea that I'm going to quote unquote burn that guy. That's not really how I want to live my life. Like I don't, you know what I mean? I don't want to go out and have vengeance in my surf session. I don't want revenge. I don't want, let me ask to... you
1: this. Let me ask you this. When is it okay to punitively burn somebody?
2: Well, for me internally, I don't think it ever is. I think that cause if I'm doing that, then I'm in a place where, um, where I don't have forgiveness in my heart, one, where I'm not uh, you know, I'm letting my ego and pride dictate my decisions and my deeds and probably my words. So for me, they don't, they don't really, um, they're not congruent with the, the, the ideal that I'm setting for myself, which I always fall short of, but you know,
1: I always appreciate these podcasts, uh, meditative philosophical meanderings but when you're in the water and you're not in you're in the surf headspace where you're trying it's all id and you're trying to fuel feed your ego then <laughs> when is it okay to punitively burn again
2: my ego is well fed I don't need to <laughs> feed it anymore uh, you, you know the question that I'm asking yeah because you do know.
1: burn guys occasionally I've seen you burn guys
2: but I'm not stoked on it. Like, I no, 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 no. My actions,
1: the interaction that you had, you and I had on a, it was a huge day at your local spot and you were getting out of the water and I was getting into the water and you pulled up in your truck and you're just, you had shame. You had the exact consternation in your face that you're having with this list of etiquette where you yeah. were just like, I'm like, dude, the waves are pumping. Do you have a blast? And you're like, ah, I'm not exactly sure if I had a blast or not. I got some really good waves. But man, there was this interaction out there that I'm not I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. And you yeah. went on to explain that you essentially burned a guy punitively because he had yeah. it coming. So tell yeah, me, I tell did. me, when is it okay?
2: Uh, I mean, when they've when they've gotten too many ways. When it's they're taking off too deep. It's so weird, right? Because it gets into this thing where like is surfing is surfing is our, our surf session sport. In other words, when we go to the basketball court and we pick up a basketball and we start playing basketball against somebody, it's sport it's on like, it's okay to block and defend and, you know, try to not let the guy score. And, and so sometimes I, I look at my surf sessions like, Hey, we're out here just trying to, we're competing. This is a competition. You know, this guy's paddling past me as if his life depends on it. So, okay, here I go. And, you know, a great point. I'll tell you something. I, I'm, this is a hard one for me to answer. And I've, I'm going in so many <laughs> different directions. I will tell you something funny that's kind of embarrassing, but I'll tell you. When I was going to school at UCSD in the 80s, 84, 85, something like that, 86, we surfed blacks all the time. That's really the only place I was surfing back then. And me and a buddy of mine had a rule. And it was, it was um, 10 for one. We used to call it ten for one. Be like ten for one. If you, and we would tell guys, if you burn me one time, I'm going to burn you ten times. <laughs> and 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 when you excavate sort of that mentality, it's just so much ego. And I mean, I was a 22 year old. You know, there's just so much. It's really kind of embar- it's really not who we should strive to be. I I mean, I hate to put my dogma on everyone else, but but that's the kind of thing where I, i'm just conflicted you know i'm yeah. conflicted and i can't even answer your question i'm afraid to answer your question there are answers to your question there are times when it's okay to punitively burn somebody and i have done it numerous times probably within the last week
1: if somebody <laughs> back, i'll give you a list if somebody back paddles if somebody has snaked me on a previous wave if i feel maybe if it's a uh, stand-up paddler who's not giving anybody else a turn like they just paddle out sit deepest and then go on every single best wave that comes there. See, through. I don't even that call those
2: I all of these that you mentioned to me, I've rationalized them into not even being punitive burns. They're just like my rationalization is okay, I guess that's how we're playing. I understand now. Here I go. You know, so yeah. you know, my whole thing is like if you're a stand up paddler and you're my whole thing is if you're paddling for every wave then I'm going to also
0: yeah you know, but,
2: like, the, but the burn it's not like i don't even look at it like you know, i'm just like hey we're just doing this together let's just do it together you know like i'm going you're going okay
1: i hear what you're saying but the what i'm the way that i'm defining it is you taking off in front of somebody that qualifies as a burn or a snake so if somebody yeah, i
2: don't i don't ever I, look if i take off in front of somebody i don't necessarily always think i'm burning or snaking them it's just my okay. turn i'm going <laughs> well, then we need yeah, to add you can something call it a burn. You might consider it a burn. I consider it my turn.
1: I'm talking about for the purpose of this conversation, for our, yeah. our ability to communicate it to our listenership. We need to have yeah. the same language that we're using.
2: Okay. I'm just saying that's. this is where the nuance comes in. Literally each and every situation is completely different. It has to be explained at length. I need to rationalize, explain, <laughs> and justify. And if I can't do that, I'm probably wrong. There's a great if, one of my mentors if you used, and I go ahead. One of my mentors used to say, Scott, if you have to rationalize, if you have to justify or you have to explain any situation at all, you're wrong. Perfect.
1: I was going to say. If I'm having this much difficulty communicating to you about this conversation over a podcast, yeah. the people in the lineup have no chance with you and the no. people in your home, maybe I need to, oh. I need to even have my, some. I
2: can't even figure myself out. Are you kidding me?
1: Because we can't even, we both speak English and I'm having a hard time understanding the definitions for the language that you're using.
2: I'm out there, dude. I'm, um, I'm okay. Rare All right. Okay.
1: All right. So we're all in agreement, meaning me and all the listeners are all in agreement about that. And apparently you're in agreement, too. Uh, <laughs> hockey rule Do number seven. This?
2: Let me ask you this. This is what goes on between my ears. I will be surfing, like sitting, waiting for a wave. Just wait wherever I am. And somebody will paddle out and I'll immediately go, oh, that guy. And, I'll, and then I'll create an entire situation that is going to happen with that person that hasn't even happened. But I will escalate it in my brain to a place where I'm already figuring out what I'm going to say to them in about 10 minutes. Yeah, Like that's that's what you're dealing with here, David. I'm just letting you know.
1: Dude, I for sure do that. I hate it because it actually ruins the entire session. Like, totally. And I'm not even looking at waves. I'm trying to figure out where they're at in the lineup, and I'm positioning based on them like yes. it's a nightmare. So Um, the
2: rule with that is when that occurs, you need to paddle up to them and go, hey, how you doing? And just change your whole BS, my whole BS trip that's going on inside my head.
1: Yeah, 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 Anyway. All right, Fat Aki. Talk about a
2: rabbit hole, dude. (laughs) Yeah, thanks,
1: Fat Aki. Jeez. Uh, Fat Aki, rule number seven, which I think this is a great rule. Get out of the way. If a surfer is on a wave coming towards you, make every effort to get out of the way. Move towards the breaking wave, away from the shoulder. Even if you get worked, the quickest way to get uh, to get harsh is to ruin someone's wave by drifting to the shoulder. Be active and aware in not ruining another surfer's wave. This you is know what I
2: love about fat hockey. Yeah, just by the word, just by the fact that he said the quickest way to get harsh See, I know some things about fat hockey you might know too, but he's from PV. He's from Palos Verdes. That's a PV phrase because I have like at least 10 friends that are my best friends from Palos Verdes. The idea of getting harsh just cracks me up.
1: Well, he's right though. I mean, I see even intermediate surfers doing this, like paddling up the face of the wave, blocking, and, and even like at low... I mean, at Lowers, this happens all of the time, where there'll be Griffin Colapinto flying down the line and people fully blocking his path for where he was going to do something. Um,
2: Well, see, here's the funny thing. There's those, I'm sorry to interrupt, David, but those signs that you talked about earlier in this podcast. There's a sign at Rincon that I, or Steamer Lane, one of those signs that has the drawings on it, literally has drawings where it's like, don't paddle out in the impact zone. Paddle to the shoulder, and I look right. at it and I'm like that's a horrible thing to say. What you want them to do is paddle to the impact zone. Exactly. And, you know. Anyway, so go ahead. And
1: that's also, great. also, this is where a lot of injuries happen. This is where guys, you know, maybe it's barreling Kira or something, and people are paddling towards the shoulder, and then their tail of their board is sticking out while somebody's getting barreled, and they yeah. cop a board to the head. So. Like Fat Aki said, paddle towards the impact zone. You're the one who's going to get worked. You're going to potentially get pushed in and get stuck on the inside for 20 minutes. That's your problem. And so uh heed that advice. That is definitely beginners need to know that more than anybody. Rule final rule number eight from Fat Aki is no GoPros. You do not need a GoPro. The footage you get of yourself surfing in the first few years is absolutely worthless. You will be judged if you paddle out with one in your mouth or even worse on your board. If you have a GoPro mounted on the front of your surfboard, uh, you're either Anthony Walsh getting shacked at pipe or an absolute kook. There is no in between. So.
2: I'm okay with this rule. I think first of all, that the whole GoPro thing, is gone. Like I don't really see tons of guys with GoPros anymore.
1: When you do, are they kooks or not?
2: Yeah, hundred yeah, percent
1: of the time. One hundred percent of the time.
2: Yeah. So, I'm okay with the GoPro. No GoPros, but I don't. I, I don't think it's an issue. I think it's a. I also feel
1: like this is um, a time-sensitive rule. This didn't apply 10 years ago. It won't apply three years from now. So I don't know that it needs to go into, into well,
2: stone. Now that I think about it, I don't really give a shit. Like, I don't care. Get a bunch of crappy photos of yourself. Who gives a shit? Like, what is it? It doesn't affect me at all. Just all right, makes then. you look like an idiot. So. Right.
1: so this is not going into kook college.
2: I don't think so. I think we need to keep the if rules. Anything, I, I think the rules should be get a GoPro. Put it on your board. That way we know exactly who we're dealing with.
1: <laughs> that's the identifier. Or yeah. if you actually had to take a Cooke college
2: course, that's our identifier. Yeah. That guy okay, must uh, be a graduate. In fact, <laughs> when you graduate, we're going to give you a GoPro at your commencement. <laughs>
1: um, the reality is we wouldn't know because they should be down the beach.
2: Right. Exactly. I'm getting to that age where I go down the beach now. I'm, I'm regressing.
1: <laughs> um, so they need to be down the beach from you and I who are already halfway down the beach. Right. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, this is our spot. All right. Well, thanks, Pat Aki for those, um, rainbow other longtime listener and contributor sent us a couple of photos from surfing magazine used to have the yeah. surfing rule book
2: and yeah. it would,
1: they were always, uh, comedic.
2: Yeah, a little bit. And there was also some truth to them
1: there was always a lot of truth to him for sure. Yeah. So rule, um, I'll read out of one of them rule number 534 wearing one booty is like wearing one glove. There was, there was a moment in time where pros like Chris Ward, there's footage of him and what's really going on wearing one booty, or maybe it was what's really going wrong. And I, I don't know if it was just, he was such a, a derelict that he lost a booty on the way to the beach or in the <laughs> car. So he only had one on, but it was often the front booty. So in my 16 year old brain, when I was seeing guys do that, it was like, Oh, they have traction for their back foot and they want added traction for their front foot. That's on the wax. So they're using one booty for that.
2: But maybe you know, a king of that, I, I hope Chris will chime in on this, but Chris Cote used to, he had a booty that had Velcro on it. And he had like, I believe, I'm pretty sure he had a Velcro front booty. And a and Velcro on his surfboard? I hope will chime in and either correct me or validate this. That's hilarious. Yeah, he had a Velcro booty with Velcro on the deck of his board for his front foot.
1: So, I hate that idea because my I want to move my front foot around almost on every single surfboard I own.
2: I have a friend that would have a, had a strap, had a front foot strap that he would slide his foot into.
1: Does that seem ridiculous to you?
2: Seems dangerous,
1: but again, don't you prefer to kind of wiggle your foot around?
2: Yeah, I think you know. There's certain guys with certain boards that it's like, look, no matter what, this is where my foot goes on this board. I kind of understand that. I'm not of that. I've always wanted to be liberated and be able to move around. So,
1: I mean, the other thing is, I don't know where the exact sweet spot for my front foot is until I get a couple sessions in on a surfboard. So, I mean, to the idea that like I could commit to my board. And punch holes into it to put the strap in, or even to put the Velcro on. Unless you had like a giant patch of Velcro, so that you could. But I guess even then, once you I think apply had a giant your
2: patch of Velcro, I think. Chris but even it.
1: then, once you apply your foot, it'd be hard to strip it up and then replace it down.
2: I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just getting this all wrong. But I'm pretty leave it, sure. Leave that, it. Leave <laughs> it. I like it.
1: <laughs> all right, from Surfing Rulebook, Rule Number Four Hundred and Seventy Six: No Waving. From the lineup to anyone,
2: I actually love this rule.
1: <laughs> I do too. it's a hilarious this is rule. A,
2: this is a classic one because when I see people waving to the lineup, I just I just shake my head. Now again, I don't know if this should be a rule or if this falls into some other category. Like, just it's just it's just bad etiquette. Well, that
1: one isn't. It's from surfing rulebook. It's not for our book, but it's hilarious. Oh, right.
2: Yeah, it's pretty funny.
1: Yeah. If uh, rule number one hundred and eight, if someone asks you the time, add a half an hour.
2: Uh, by the way, all of these rules from Surfing Magazine and some of ours, as a matter of fact, fall under the greater umbrella heading of surfers are the fucking worst. Like totally. all of these things are just so, like you You don't see like, I don't know, marathon runners like come up with all of these little rules that have to be followed or you're not cool. It's such <laughs> right. bullshit. It's
1: yeah. so, by the way, did, I mean that rule, that was an, um, I don't even know if we ever, me and my friends ever discussed that, but we all absolutely did that. If someone asks you the time you add, I would never add a half hour, but you do add 10 to 15 minutes to the time just because you're presuming they got to get to work and you want to get them out of the water as quick as possible.
2: Right. Which just like excavate all of this stuff. It all comes down to like selfishness or FOMO, fear of missing out, or there's not going to be enough for me. You know, nobody left me a slice of pizza. Right. Right. It's right, all right. pretty, pretty sophomoric, <laughs> pretty 21 year, 22 year old at Black's Beach kind of thinking, you know.
1: Yeah, totally. But um, shout yeah. out to any of the writers who put together these rules for surfing mag back in the day. They're pretty
2: funny. I, I, I remember enjoying those and getting a kick out of those. And, totally. Yeah.
1: Um, those are the only ones worth reading, really.
2: By the way, when you mentioned earlier about. It can be dangerous when you paddle up to the shoulder, like think about Kira or snapper or something and getting a board kind of shot back at you that I think I've told you my story where that actually happened to me. Actually two of these rules, two of two of the people that violated these rules or one guy violated this, two of these rules and it came back to haunt me. I was surfing. The guy is paddling out. I'm racing past him and he bails his board. And his board comes back and, comes like within maybe three or four inches of just fully taking out my head. Like it was going to be, it was, it was a violent big day and it was a violent snapping of his board at my head. And it would have, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if it would have killed me. It would have for sure done some major trauma to my skull, maybe to my eye or who knows. (laughs) It was going to be gnarly. I, Went straight into the beach on that wave, dried off, got out of my wetsuit, drove to Encinitas surfboards and bought a gaff helmet. And I wore a gaff helmet from that day for probably another four or five years, every single session I surfed because of that one guy. Because I was like, wow, that was a, that was like a, you know, somebody's telling me something. Go get a helmet. did, Did you have any
1: conversation with that surfer?
2: No, I went straight in. I went straight in. I was... I was sort of traumatized by how lucky I was. You know, yeah. it was one of those moments where you're like, oh my God, I gotta go get a helmet. It's that crazy. Me.
1: I'll be honest, I am blown away that we, you and I as individuals, but surfers in general, don't get more injured more frequently. I've had so many close calls like that where you're watching it thinking it's the end and you close your eyes and then you come up unscathed and you go, how did that even happen? Physi- physiologically impossible, you know, for that not to, uh, physics. physics, Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. You see footage, footage too of guys in barrels, like getting, yeah, I don't know.
2: At any rate, um, that's all I got. Email about this. I'll give it to you real quick. I like the idea of you guys discussing surf etiquette. A few years ago, I made the mental move from a short board to a long board. So I know what it's like to be out in the water and see a longboarder paddle out. I try to be considerate now that I'm a longboarder, but a clear etiquette rule should be discussed. Cheers, Greg. I disagree. I I
1: got that email and I agreed with it at first, but as I read through all the other stuff that came through, I was like, I think we need to go universal rules. I don't think we need to give rules for longboarders, rules for guys on foils. There should, if we're doing our job, uh well we should be able to distill it down into kind of like a ten commandments scenario.
2: Yeah that's commandment number two really be respectful. Fat yeah. hockeys be respectful.
1: Right. There you go. But I, I still appreciate obviously the uh the sentiment and the thought.
2: Um we have ten minutes to discuss the WSL.
1: Giant WSL news, but no, we got to squeeze in a kook and a must-see moment. Or I have a must-see moment in addition to yours. But the WSL look—it's kind of old news at this point. What do you want to? Um, what well, are the, the highlights for you? We can
2: we can break this down later too. But the highlights for me—the interesting things to me—are this. The biggest one is that Pipeline Masters is going to become a a QS event, not this year. This year, it's the first event in the season. But the following year, they're going to make the triple crown a three banger of QSs, which means Hollywood, Sunset, Pipeline, all QS events. When That's did this news?
1: When did this news get revealed?
2: It's right in here. It's kind of buried in here. I'll I'll read it to you. Um, let's see if I can find it here.
1: Because
2: I like. I'm fine with that. Uh, okay. Here, here it is. Wait. Okay, so in 2022, the WSL hopes to start the tour with a pipe event in February, which would be the Vulcan Pipe Pro permit, right? Um, The CT qualifying process will evolve for 2021 onward. The WSL is hoping to peak that this QS series will peak in Hawaii at the triple crown with all three current events, including the pipe masters becoming a QS becoming a three banger QS challenger showdown in Hawaii. But the CT still
1: kicks off at pipe in February.
2: No, No. Yeah. So you get, you know, just November to December, the triple crown, which is three QS events, challenger series events. Then month and a half, two months later, it kicks off pipeline with the Vulcan Pipe Pro permit, what it's called, we don't know. Right, but that will
1: be a CT event.
2: Yes, that will be a CT okay. event. Okay.
1: Okay, then. So we get we we get two pipe events, one for the QS right. and one for the CT. They're right, just flip flopping the but the idea that permits. the
2: pipe masters is now kind of dropping in some of its I'd say it's moving.
1: I mean, I mean, you could look at it that way. I think it's there was always a QS pipe event and there was always a CT pipe event. They've just flip flopped. And, yeah. and the season doesn't end there, which is kind of,
2: that's gonna be, which is going to be a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal.
1: And I guess the, the big news there is that uh, the WSL is transitioning into a finals, what they're calling the WSL finals. So whoever are the top five surfers at the end of the season, based on the 11 events, get uh, seeded into the WSL finals day, which will take place at a venue yet to be determined. And it'll be a rotating venue from year to year. And it'll be a men and women's event. So the top five women with the top five men, and there'll be a li- linear seating format. The number one ranked surfer is already in the final, what we're gonna call, you and I are gonna call the final, so to speak. And the previous four surfers uh, will be number four, and number five, surf against each other in heat one. Whoever wins that heat surfs against, number three ranked surfer, whoever wins that heat moves on and surfs against number two. And then whoever wins that heat surfs again against that first ranked surfer in a best of three finals showdown.
2: All of this stuff is cool. I like it. It's new. It's different. You and I like it because it's new and different and it's, let's try it. Why not try it? We've talked about this. My biggest concern about this is that it's one week. It's basically September 8th to the 16th. So it's eight days. And I'm kind of thinking, well, why not – like, why do we have to just pick a week? Why can't we just say from September to October, we're just going to sit and wait and let's pull the – let's do a strike mission. We've got very – just 10 people here. Let's do an Uber strike wherever that, the, the globe tells us to go, wherever the weather patterns tell us to, glow, to go. We've got two months. Why are we, like, pinning it down to one week where well, we could get skunked, frankly? Right. Yeah, I
1: guess. I mean, that's, I think it's probably a planning issue for them. They
2: want to be able to plan around. Well, for sure. I mean, I get that. I understand that. I'm of course looking at it from the viewpoint of you and I, the end consumer where we're like, you know what? It's too bad they're having it this week. It sucks. Why didn't they have it in two weeks when it's going to be pumping? You know, it's just, I don't know. You know, I, I, again, I know there are considerations probably for television, for all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But, um, how do you feel about this idea though? I I I want the event, I want the season to end at Pipeline. Okay. Uh, I just do Let's say they pick
1: Okay, so let again they they haven't determined the venue yet. Let's say that they do use Pipeline as a venue, which I don't think they will, but if that was the case, how do you feel about the idea that we decide a world champ through one event at the end of the season and only five surfers are in it?
2: I think it's a good idea. Me too. I think, I think a lot of sports, are, you and I have talked about this, a lot of sports have changed to this format NASCAR is one that did it, um, golf does it. Um, it. It's just, it makes sense, it makes sense from a, from a revenue standpoint, it makes sense from a sponsorship standpoint, for TV, for time. It's time to do this. I'm glad they're doing it. I think it,
1: not only is it the right concept uh, or the right kind of general idea, but the execution of it, I think, is actually really smart. I think the way that the event is structured will add dramatics. The other thing is a lot of times throughout the season, the best surfers don't surf against each other. You know, like the yeah. fact that we got Gabriel, Medina, and Idolo in the final this past year of the final event of the season and they were number one and number two, and never, yeah. ever, ever happens. So I think yeah. that the way that this whole new tour is structured ensures that underperforming surfers get bumped off top performing surfers have a chance to re-qualify through the challenger series in the off season it makes everything a lot more competitive gets rid of a lot of the dead weight and then you cannot earn your way into that final event unless you are among the best surfers in the world there's no chance that an underperformer is in the top five at the end of the season but there is a chance that number five could actually box their way to the world championship
2: in that final event so i think which i it, love i love I that. do too
1: i do too i think it adds my, for
2: a lot of dramatics again my only concern is i want it to be in good waves and this one week like where are you going to go in september uh, well, maybe france are we going to france I, that could be a good call Port Escondido is a good. I mean, there's plenty of options. Don't get me wrong; we can go through the options later. But what if that week it's just kind of shitty everywhere? <laughs> like that could happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. I guess it could. What about lowers? Because but- because this also points to lowers. September 8th. It's like, oh, guess what? Wink, wink. We're going to do it at lowers. I'm kind of don't want to do it at lowers. I want it to be in waves of consequence. Yeah. I want I want to be excited. And don't get me wrong. Uh, lowers is a great company. You know. We all know Lowers is great, but it's not like, I don't know. I just don't want it. I want it to be at waves of consequence. I want it to be somewhere like a killer, like Puerto Escondido. I agree. For the
1: final event, it needs to be dramatic waves.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Totally agree. We all
2: need right. to revisit well, this.
1: We, yeah. There's much more to discuss. The women are going to be surfing Chopu. Uh, I, I, side note. I don't think they're even going to be able to pull this off. This is kind of my biggest takeaway is (laughs) they were talking about starting, first of all, 2020 is canceled. They officially announced that. They said they're going to try to start 2021 in Hawaii in December and then roll into Australia in the new year. I don't think either of those things are happening. I do not think that Australia is going to want us, certainly not the Americans, in at that point. We're talking about not even opening uh, schools until after the first of January you know like so if kids aren't going to school you locally at their local schools you think they're going to let international travelers come and be transient and blow
2: in and blow back out there's no chance and by the way guys like you that don't wear masks that are causing the problem you're not wearing a mask right now (laughs) I do wear you and your orange county buddies do you uh, want the NFL season? Do you want school? Do you want Christmas? Put on a fucking mask, for God's sakes! How hard is it? I
1: wear a mask every. We're single gonna day.
2: cancel Christmas. There'll be no economy.
1: When? Um, <laughs> oh my! <God. laughs>
2: we better go. We better hey, cut out. Hey, cook, 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 of the, cook of the week,
1: Mark Zuckerberg yeah. and his poo stance. Yes.
2: yes, and the and the sunscreen.
1: Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's hilarious. I cannot wait for these memes to go on forever in perpetuity. Like. This is going to. It
2: was a motorized. It was like one of those motorized foils. Like he had the motor in his hand. He's like, I'm just going to. Uh.
1: Of course, of course, it is. He's a tech dude. Of course, he would have that. Um, my must see moment. In addition to your Derek Ho piece that we will post on SpitPodcast.com, uh, is Stab Magazines Stab in the Dark All Star Edition. They released this a while back, and it was um, you had to pay for it. They just put it out for free. It is the best edition yet. It's 55 minutes long. It's All-star edition in that it's the all-star surfers, surfers that have done it in the past, all but Julian Wilson. And it's all the board builders who have won and the finalists. So Dane Reynolds, Mick Fanning, Jordy Smith. By the way, Jordy is surfing head and shoulders above Dane and Mick. Um, I loved having three surfers riding the boards, chiming in instead of just one person. Because Not only are they giving varied feedback, but they're discussing it amongst one another. It now becomes a discussion rather than a monologue, and they're cluing each other into things that the other person didn't quite pick up. It's really, really remarkable. Another thing that is uh, great about this is these guys have way more misses than they do hits. They struggle a lot. So for any listeners who get a brand new surfboard and think that they're going to unlock some magic out of it instantly, go and watch this. These guys struggle way more. Like they have very little good to say about any of the boards and almost begrudgingly pick a winner amongst them. But it's not like they're shredding on every single board and they're also not even loving the boards. So finding a magic board is tough, tough work. This is a great piece, Stab in the Dark, All-Star Edition.
2: Cool. I look forward to seeing that.
1: Thanks. You're not going to launch it.
2: I am. I actually like, I, I very much like that stuff.
1: This will require a 50-minute commitment of watching surfing.
2: Tell me how it goes.
1: Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm going to watch it.
2: I'm going to watch it. All right. Yeah. All right, hey, afternoon hey. session. Yes. Okay, well, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back, I hope, um, Tuesday. Um, until then, audio is well, we got no choice.